Joint scouting ends Tuesday from noon to 3 at home uh, 103.55 South Jordan Gateway in South Jordan. Time now to welcome in Kyle Gunther, former Utah offensive lineman, ready for Utah and Washington. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Kyle, good morning. Hey, gentlemen. How are you? Very excited for this matchup. This is the game that everybody was talking about before the season as being Utah's toughest game of the season. Uh, it, it, it may very well be this could be the biggest test of the year for the youth. Yeah. So I'm curious if you have as much confidence as Riley Jensen, because he just went on TV and said it's over, put a fork in Washington, they're done. Utah's got this. I was a little surprised. What do you think? Well, Vegas likes the Utes. Uh, even on the road, they're a three-point favorite. Uh, I don't know if I share Riley's uh, exuberant optimism. Yeah. We'll say that. I can see Utah and Washington going uh, very similarly to the way that Oregon and Washington went a couple of weeks ago. Oregon struggled a little bit early on. Uh, Washington just puts together very solid drives. Their offense is aggressive, but they don't take undue risks. Like USC's offense makes some ridiculous throws every single week. Low percentage throws, uh, broken plays. They make things happen just with talent. Washington doesn't do that. Washington has a game plan, and they execute it very well because they're a very well-coached team. But this is the best Utah defense we have ever seen. Zach Moss is the best Utah running back we've ever seen. The more and more you watch these two teams play, the Utes can absolutely win this game against Washington. I'm not sure it's going to be high scoring. Uh, I think you may have a couple of back-and-forth scores early on, and then things are going to slow down. Both of these teams are going to be reliant on their defenses, but uh, I think the Utes are going to win this game because this Utah defense is going to be able to shut down what Washington is doing, but Washington's got a good receiving core. Uh, The young Puka Nakua can get open. This is a a very evenly matched couple of teams right now, and if Tyler Huntley was healthy, I would say the Utes win by more than a touchdown. But Tyler Huntley's not, and, I mean, you could see him. He could barely walk last week. So that's going to be a factor because at some point against Washington, the Utes are going to have to go to their backup quarterback, and then – that's going to even things out quite a bit. So I'm just cruising around the internet, and I come across an NFL first round draft point, uh, draft round uh, mock draft, basically what I'm trying to say. And so I'm looking through it. You know, you got the usuals. You got uh, Tua down at Alabama, number one, and Herbert uh, number two, and you know they're projecting the teams who are going to have the picks. And then I'm going through it, and I get down to number nine. And to my surprise, I saw Jacob Eason listed as the number nine pick in the first round. Obviously, he's the Washington quarterback. I don't think that he's done anything that would merit a first-round pick this season. But, you know, a lot of them, they go on the measurables and all that stuff. And he certainly has that. What do you think of his ability to have a good day, a bad day, a great day against the Utes? I think he will have a good day against the Utes. I think he's probably going to have two touchdowns and an interception somewhere in that range. He'll make a mistake against this Utah secondary. But as you guys know, obviously, the NFL projects on your ability to make NFL-caliber throws. So the average guy at uh, you know Texas Tech, for example, I mean, look at Gardner Minshew last year. Okay, Gardner Minshew was at Washington State, seemingly very much under the NFL radar. The NFL didn't choose to draft him because he's making short throws 
slant routes and bubble screens, and those are cute, but those don't work in the NFL. If you throw three bubble screens in a row, your receiver's decapitated, you're turning the ball over, you're benched, and your coach is fired and your GM is fired. They don't mess around in the NFL. So Jacob Eason can make the type of throws post routes, uh, corner routes. He can throw to the sideline. He can make the, the wide out throw from the opposite hash. If you have the arm strength to make those throws, I mean, a lot of it's God-given. You saw Jacob Eason coming out of high school. He was a five-star guy, not a blue chip, not a four-star. He was a five-star quarterback. And, yeah, started out at uh, Georgia, wasn't it? And and so the NFL hasn't forgotten about that skill set. So I would not be surprised if Jacob Eason loses this game to Utah but still becomes an NFL quarterback because there's 32 men on the planet that can play quarterback in the NFL and can start and can make those throws. So it's an elite group. Uh, it's the same reason why Jake Heaps kept getting shots at Kansas, Miami, and then he got several shots in the NFL. Because say what you want about Heaps, I'm not a pro or anti Heaps guy, but the, the arm talent that he had to make those throws was at a world class level. There's basically less than a hundred guys on the planet that can even compete and do that. So that's why those NFL draft grades are there. But as far as total NFL talent, I think there's at least eight NFL draft picks on this Utah football team right now in no particular order. Lecky Fotu, Jalen Johnson, Francis Bernard, Zach Moss, Darren Paulo, Julian Blackman, um, and I'm forgetting a couple, uh, John Penasini and Bradley and I. I mean, I think, is that eight? Math's not my thing, guys, but I think that's <laughs> about at least eight NFL players for the youth as well if we're talking about NFL talent. Yeah. So with all that elite talent there, is there any chance that Washington is going to be able to run the ball? And I asked because Kyle Whittingham was talking, hey, Washington's a good team. They're in the top half of the conference in a lot of statistical categories, which is true, but they tend to be fourth or fifth in a lot of categories, and running the ball is one of them. Can the fourth best team in the Pac-12 run the ball on Utah? I think the Utes are, are they top four in the country in stopping the run yeah, the, or top three in the country? And, so, and in the conference, they're number one in a lot of categories defensively. Yeah, and that's just been the case. Again, this is the best Utah defense that the Utes have ever had. They have depth and they have talent on that defensive line. What that does is when you've got three or four defensive tackles, you can rotate in there. What that means is that that old cliche is true. The Utes will control the line of scrimmage. What that means is that Washington will not be able to move. Their offensive line will not get movement. So the line of scrimmage is going to stay stationary. With Utah's defensive line, they're going to match up well there. Uh, Salvin Ackman, doesn't he run a 4-3-40, though, for Washington? He's a very talented back. So he's not going to have holes wide open on the line of scrimmage. But if he tries to bust a play towards the edge and he spins out of a tackle, he'll run for 20 or 30 yards after his initial contact. And I think that's where Washington will get the bulk of their plays. It's just on simple mistakes. Washington's a talented group. Uh, if, if Puka Nakua decides to spin out of a tackle, he'll gain another 20 yards. But it's not like that means that, they're, that Washington is just dominating the Utes up front. No, I think Aaron Fuller's had a great year, too, at receiver. Uh, but Shelley's been in there. He, you know, these guys are going to break tackles, and they're going to make some, uh, they're gonna make some plays that way. But Salvin Ackman's not going to be just running through wide-open holes. He's going to have to break some tackles to have some success. And, you know, Benjamin ended up going for 100 yards. Even though Arizona State had an anemic offense for the majority of the game, you know, you, Washington's going to move the ball in between the 20s. Everybody's working out. Everybody, you know, these coaches are highly paid. But the issue will be then on third down, 
can the Utes step up and make a couple of plays and keep Washington to under 40% third down conversion? I believe the Utes opponents are, are only averaging 25% third down conversion percentage, which the goal is 45%. You want to complete at least, you want to convert, I should say, at least 45% of your third downs. That's what every offense's goal is in college football. The Utes are giving up about 25%. On third down, so it's that pass rush that's going to get to Jacob Eason if he thinks he can hang in the pocket and make some of those deep throws. But he's got that big arm; he can make those throws. But the Utes also—I mean, they've faced quarterbacks with big arms before, and they've managed to have success. Uh, not recently, though. Man, at Oregon State, at Arizona State, at Cal, these last few quarterbacks—they've just not had that deep ball. They've not had the ability to do that, so that'll be a big adjustment because Washington can max protect. They can hang in the pocket and they can make those deep throws, but man, how about Brian Thompson against Cal last week? Just getting getting so wide open, he was three and four body lengths. He ran a double move and he was open on the first move, and Tyler Huntley found him there. So the youth also have some of that vertical passing game as well. So if Utah's defensive line has success against this offensive line, which I believe is considered the best that they will play, unless you know, they, they probably then would play Oregon maybe in the, in the final. We'll see if it happens. But in the regular season, yeah. with all the guys that Washington has back, they returned four starters, and one of them wasn't considered Trey Adams because he got hurt, and he's supposed to be a first-round draft choice. So my point is, if you think, and I think you've already said this, correct me if I'm wrong, you think that the defensive line will have success against that this offensive line, and if they do, then they'll win the game for sure. So at that point then, Utah just runs the table until we get to the conference final, and we'll see what happens against Oregon. UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado are not going to beat Utah. Uh, UCLA, the only thing they can do is run the football, and they're not going to do it against the Utes. Arizona, I mean, have they had one quarterback finish a game at at any point this year? Uh, And then Colorado, you know, if you can stop Lavishka Chenault, you beat them. I I think Utah's Pac-12 South season is going to end very well, but uh, I checked this morning, Utah and USC are both tied in the South right now. So the youth need some help. They need USC to lose another South game, and I think they'll get that. But this Washington game, even though it's a North team, it's really important for the youth's overall Pac-12 standings. That might come down to a a tiebreaker between the youths and USC. But Washington's a very good team. Uh, They have some weird losses, though. Don't forget, Washington lost to this Cal team that the youths dismantled earlier on in the year. I believe... Washington lost to Cal last year, too. Yes, Cal's a tough team, but they're not talented enough right now to, to be able to push Washington around. And obviously, they had a different quarterback then. Uh, Washington lost to a Stanford team that's been a bit of an enigma this year. Uh, Oregon's the best team in the conference. Oregon has the best offensive line in the country. And so you, if you go back and watch Washington and Oregon, Oregon's also got a great defense and a great defensive line. And uh, Washington didn't struggle early on. No, they were uh, very much uh, in control at home, beating up on the Ducks. But Justin Herbert came back and made some throws that are just unworldly. Un- uh, you know, you can't coach the type of throws that Justin Herbert was making in that game. So, I, on paper, I think the Utes are a much better team than Washington. But again, this comeback, this comes back to Tyler Huntley. Nobody chooses to put a Don Joy knee brace on. Those knee braces, they give you blisters. They make you feel unathletic. They physically hurt. You can't run with them. Nobody chooses to put them on. So everybody saw Tyler Huntley limping around with this huge Don Joy knee brace on. It's not good. 
if Tyler Huntley's not in there, that changes things dramatically. So I can see Utah and Washington trading scores early on. And then if the Utes have to go to Jason Shelley, that's going to that's gonna change things up a bit. And we'll see, because then Washington can just stack the box, and they'll say, we dare you to throw the ball to win. And uh, you know that was the game plan that Washington used against the Utes in the Pac-12 championship game last year, and, and they had success doing that. But uh, this is a elite Utah team. This Utah defense is elite, and I, I really think this matchup will come down to a couple of plays, maybe special teams. You know, whoever misses a kick or two here, I think this is going to be a close game, and I think the Utes can win it. I think it'll be a little more high-scoring than what the Utes had against Washington last year. I mean, the Utes only put up 10 combined points against UW last year. They'll score more points this year in their first matchup with the Huskies. But, uh, no, this is a Utah team that's better than Washington. But Washington, if they have a healthier quarterback down the stretch, uh, that's going to be their biggest benefit. Doc Gunther joining us right now. We saw him, we saw Tyler Huntley hobbling around after he dumped that ball off to Zach and, and, and Moss took off for 70 yards or whatever it was. And we saw, we could just see him hobbling in, in that shot. I mean, it was just obvious. How much better can his knee be a week later? He's tough as nails. If it were you or I, no, we'd still be limping around. But we're not as tough as. Tyler Huntley, and, and you, know, you say that because Zach Moss mentioned it. I think Simpkins mentioned it. A couple of other Utah teammates mentioned after the game how tough Tyler Huntley is. Well, every football player is tough. So the code for that is when players are mentioning that, it means that he's playing hurt. And maybe he's playing injured or maybe he's playing hurt, but there's a big difference. Everybody's got to play hurt. And you can fight through some injuries. If you, if you tear your MCL, you can play through it. You can tear your meniscus, and you can play through it. Uh, Trevor Riley even played on a torn ACL many years ago. He played an entire season, and that's pretty rare. I've never heard of anybody else doing that. But you can play on injured ligaments in your knee, and you put that Donjoy knee brace on, and, and you can fight through it. And I suspect that's what's going on. So it, can he get better in a week? Yeah, but then you can exacerbate that injury pretty quickly. You know, he got hit a couple of times against Cal, and Cal's got a tough defense. They're, they're a better defense than they've had over the last few years, and uh, they were bringing some pressure, and they got to Huntley a few times. And, yeah, maybe your knee feels fine in warm-ups, but then you get twisted up and you get tackled. One little tackle can make things so much worse. Uh, I saw some Twitter heroes today. Uh, they were talking about uh, a dropped pass from the tight end. Some guy said, oh, well, the tight ends are still dropping passes. He was a keyboard hero. And it was uh, Brant Keithy did have a drop. I believe it was in the second quarter against Cal. Well, in the first quarter, he caught a seam route right in between the safety and the, the corner that was over him, he got the ever-living piss knocked out of him by the safety in the lower back. The safety hit him with his shoulder pad directly in the lower back. And Brant Keithy jumped up and tried to be tough, but then he hit the ground afterwards because he was clearly writhing in pain. He came back in the game in the second quarter and made some other good plays. The average guy, if, if you haven't played football since the 80s when you went to East High School, maybe you forgot that just getting tackled once hurts so badly. Just getting slammed to the ground once hurts so badly. It's easy when you're drinking Dr. Pepper and eating Jello on your couch. And, oh, I dropped that pass. Don't forget the physical toll this game takes. So I know you guys asked about Huntley. He's tough as nails, and he wants to play for this team. He probably should have sat out the Cal game, but he wanted to go in and play. Uh, he is going to tough it out against Washington, but – uh, it, it comes down to mental toughness, not physical toughness. 
because everybody's body breaks at the same point. It's about mental toughness, and Tyler Huntley has it. Uh, I suspect he gives you a very good performance early on against Washington, but yeah, one or two hits, that changes everything. <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> BK just had to exhale there. <laughs> All right, Kyle, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll be checking the game out Saturday at 2. Kyle, we'll talk to you again next week. See you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. DJ and PK. He brings a little passion to it, PK. Yeah, he does. He's he's very knowledgeable, man. I don't know about the wisdom for our 8 o'clock listener's health of putting Kyle Gunther back-to-back with David Locke. People oh, may be gassed. Nets? People, people may be gassed by the time they get to work at nine o'clock. I'll take a quick nap. <laughs> David Locke's <laughs> coming up next. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Jazz are four and one, best record in the Western Conference. They had the night off. They play the. Kings tonight, AT&T Sportsnet, 8 o'clock. Listen to the game on the Zone Sports Network. Jazz take over the top spot because the previously undefeated San Antonio Spurs fall to the Clippers, 103-97. Jazz play the Clippers in L.A. Sunday night at 7 o'clock. Listen to the Utah-Washington pregame show on the Zone Sports Network. That kicks off 1 o'clock. The game will start at 2. BYU and Utah State. The Utah State and Cougar pregame shows begin at 7 o'clock. The BYU show on 97.5 FM. The Utah State pregame on 1280 The Zone. And then the game is on both stations starting at 8 o'clock. It's also on ESPN2. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Ken Garf, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. The savings are on at Ken Garf, West Valley Ram. Stop by the dealership during Ram Power Days. Take advantage of special offers on select new models. Whatever you're looking for, they've got it. West Valley Ram. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Former Cougar great, Riley Nelson. You've dealt with quarterback uh, changes throughout the uh, throughout the course of the season. you got one guy who just came off a huge victory against Boise State. How do you think Kalani manages this when guys start to get healthy? I don't have any decision they have to make, and you just kind of have to be as objective as possible in, all right, what game plan gives us the best chance to exploit weaknesses or, or, or the best chance for success against this Utah State defense? And then which one of these players taking snap gives us the best chance to execute on that game plan and you prepare that guy as well as the other guy should know that his number could be called at any moment. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk jazz basketball with the radio voice of the jazz, David Locke. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. David, good morning. Hello, guys. How are you? Good. Not as good as the Jazz defense, number one in the NBA. Now, how many how many games in before I should be looking at stats? Was that a mistake? Should I have not clicked on stats? So it's the only flaw. sample size you have, so you can click on stats. I was yeah. just doing the same, so I'm not going to criticize you for that. I was trying to see if there's any early indicators of whether the shot selection in the league is changing at all. Um, so you have to, I think, understand the sample size you're looking at to know what it is, but... Um, I would say that it's a pretty pretty good sign that um, 
that the Jazz defense is what it is. Uh, you know, you can't you can't be any better than number one at this point in time. So, I think that I think that's probably the most you know important thing to look at is that they've done about as well as you can. And I don't know what caliber of offenses they've played. I, I can't quite figure out whether Oklahoma City uh, where Oklahoma City fits in this match mix and Sacramento is the worst half court offense in the league right now. Um, so the sample size obviously is noisy and can be skewed, but it's good. How much is spacing allowing Donovan Mitchell to be as effective and aggressive as he is? I think a lot. I mean, we're really, it's really obvious and, and the guys are kind of trying to figure that out. And there's just a lot of little tiny adjustments to it, but um, they are, they are, they are beginning to figure it out. We're seeing it. I mean, they're right now. All of a sudden, the Jazz are the ninth best shooting team in the league, and um, there's all sorts of areas where they've. And Donovan's really feasting in the mid range, where he has just all sorts of room. Um, he's going to have to, you know, I don't think he can live there quite the way he is right now. He'll have to adapt. He'll have to find a way to get back to the rim, um, and in some manner, or else he's going to just. It's too hard to be efficient the way he's doing it right now. Uh, because you don't get fouled and those shots don't generally go in, but he's doing it really, really well right now. So, um, and t- teams will adjust and come out on him a little harder, and that will probably open up some of these things. I mean, it's a little bit of a yin and the yang. Are you surprised that Bogdanovich has made this big a splash in the first five games? So, in some sense, no. I mean, he's really good, um, and at training camp, it was really obvious that he's really good. There are things he's doing that he's doing a little bit better than um, than I anticipated. But his play really allows the Jazz to do all sorts of things. I mean, the other night, the Jazz played Donovan with the second unit. So now all of a sudden, Donovan's going against second unit guys because Bogdanovich and Conley and Gobert can carry it themselves for a little while. That's, that's, that gets pretty interesting. Um, I always thought it was going to be Bogdanovich that was going to be the, the guy out there as the second unit. Guy, but they've they've made that little switch that Donovan's running with the second unit, and it actually makes a lot more sense. Uh, and that's a pretty exciting possibility for the Jazz that you have Donovan running with the second unit and coming downhill, and Bogdanovich's scoring is allowing them to do that. Um, I've talked about this a few times. There was a play in Phoenix where he went into the lane and he just got um, he got up higher, faster than I thought he was going to be able to. Um, you just kind of can see it when someone does something like, oh, whoa, um, that's not what I anticipated. So he is, he's got, Bogdanovich has something to his game where, you know, he slid by Zubak, who's obviously not a good defender, and was mismatching him at one-on-one, but he really slid by him with almost seemingly no move. And so there's something to him that he's a little quicker and a little stronger than it, and has a little more power than I think you naturally see. You had a chance to see the Lakers up close the other night. How legitimate are they as far as getting out of the West? Very. Um, a lot of it's going to stem on whether Avery Bradley can stay healthy, but everyone's talked about their shooting, but their defense is incredible. Um, you know, Avery Bradley and Danny Green getting up in on ball handlers pretty big time. And when they switched to Alex Caruso at the point guard in that game, Alex Caruso six six. Um, so now you have, and then you have the length of Anthony Davis, JaVel McGee, and Dwight Howard. Um, not to mention LeBron, one of the most cerebral defenders ever, even if he's lost a step and isn't quite what he once was defensively. Um, you know, he's, um, he's pretty outstanding, you know, reading passing lanes and playing free safety, and he's huge. So, no, I think they're great. 
Um, and I and really, I didn't know if they were going to be good defensively. And they're going to if Avery Bradley holds it together. His body kind of broke down in Detroit, and then was better in Memphis. Um, if he can stay healthy and keep playing at the level he's playing right now, he gives them something. And then they and then those are decent shooters, Bradley and Green as well. So speaking of bodies breaking down, if you were the Warriors, would you just go into full-on tank mode and say, hey, let's get a high pick to add to the core that ought to be healthy next year, and let's go then? Seems intuitively obvious, doesn't it? I mean, what's the point? It does, but they've been so good. I think the other aspect to it is that Draymond's knees have been bad. So Draymond actually is the one who needs the year off, and he's now the last one standing. So I I really, if your two choices are trying to go for it in some way and 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 grinding Draymond down more than he's already been ground down, um, or you know, pulling off the accelerator and letting Draymond be managed and play fifty games and and try to get his knees better. I, I think that actually would be what would be driving my decision. Do you have any concern about the bench not playing as many minutes as I thought they might be, and then conversely, the starters playing bigger minutes? Um, I have some concerns that we don't have 240 quality minutes of basketball right now, so I would think yeah. that's what you're alluding to. Yeah, exactly. To. Um, yes. They did some things the other night with the bench that I think it, they've made some changes on how they're using it that hopefully will be a, a difference. Um, one is the Donovan thing we just mentioned, and then two is they were playing Conley in three stints a half, and they put Conley back to two stints a half, and then that allowed the bench unit to play together for an extended run. I mean, I think that... Um, you know, Jeff Green and Emmanuel Moutier both are going through pretty big adjustments at different stages in their career. So Jeff Green's 33, and it's easy to say, like, oh, well, you should just understand. But I think he played 30 minutes a night last year and started most of uh, or a lot of games in Washington and has played an awful lot the last few years. I don't think he's quite ready for 16 minutes a night. If he's going to have to do 16 minutes a night, you're far better off letting him have two stretches of eight. Um, it'll make him feel you know, more engaged. Emmanuel Moutier started in Denver, started in New York. This is the first time he's ever come off the bench. Seems to be pretty dead set on getting his shots up in his 16 minutes on the floor. Same concept. Like, I think if he knows he's playing 16, and he'll probably have to play a little bit more as you try to bring Mike down. Um, you know, can he Can he play, Can he move it a little bit more? I mean, his just instinct is to beat the guy who's guarding him, which he generally can do, but it's just you're not running any offense at all at that point. You just Emmanuel Moutier goes to the basket, and then if he doesn't have a shot, he passes. That that's not a great answer. Um, so I think you'll have to, you know, he's going to have to, you know, if they're playing eight minute stretches, maybe they can both those guys can be a little bit more, you know, moving in the basketball, moving without the ball in a manner that neither of them have been accustomed to in their career. As the back to backs pile up and there's more plane flights, should the starters all be playing 35 minutes, or does that number? There need... cannot be more plane flights than what we've just done. Frankly, <laughs> this has got this is it. I think this is the worst stretch of the season for us. Actually, like I don't have great hopes on tonight. Um, isn't this our like? This is our sixth game and six with that. I don't think we've had a day. Look at the schedule. I don't think we've had a day where we didn't either play or fly. Right? That will take me a minute to get to because I didn't have the schedule up, but I will check that for you. Check that out for us and get yeah, back. Think, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think Monday is the first time the team has a day off um, with no plane flight or no practice or no game, excuse me. Which means they haven't practiced yet. 
you know, so you're suddenly tonight, you know, I feel like you're walking into a buzzsaw. They're 0 and 5. If they have any pride at all, they probably will play. They look better against Charlotte than they did earlier this year. I don't think we're tired per se. I just think we'll be off um, by a little bit just because of it. And then you have, um, we haven't practiced in, you know, they haven't had a practice in 10 days. So just based on the small sample size, Joe Ingles is at least the scoring is cut in half. I think it was twelve last year. It's six this year so far. Should we expect that the rest of the season? Um, it's a good question. You know, he's gone from being the second option to the fifth option, so I think that that is certainly a change. Um, you know, his body has a tendency to kind of rev up, like. He usually is one of these guys that needs, kind of looking at him, I think, always over his career. He's kind of taken, you know, five, six, maybe. I haven't looked at the numbers on this. This is just kind of my feeling, and I've, I've heard it from some people, that he just takes a little while to rev his body and get it get it rolling. I mean, it's a fine-tuned machine right there, and you just, you know. Um, but I do think, actually, in all seriousness, that he, he does need a little time. Um, hopefully there's nothing else going on. He has not turned the corner on the pick-and-roll uh, the way he did last year yet very often we haven't really seen him kind of come off Der- the way he came off Derek and, and get to the basket and either hopefully Joe wasn't really relying on Derek as much as that would lead one to believe or that Joe is slowed a little bit um, hopefully neither of those two things are true so we'll see um, but I think I do think going from the second option to the fifth option is a pretty big change um and it'll be interesting to see the new way they have the rotation we're getting that lineup of of conley donovan ingles bogdanovich and gobert a little more bombed in the first half and was pretty good in the second half good night will the guy should we really be looking more at the player's efficiency because who gets the shots is going to depend on how each opponent chooses to defend and who they might rotate off of and leave or be unwilling to help and double on whereas another night another team might be that's a great point um, I don't know yet because um, uh, we haven't seen enough opponents, but I think it's a, the concept is perfect. I think it's a great point. Um, and then I think Bogdanovich is actually more dependent in transition than people realize. So we've been getting these press releases that say Exum has been going down to the G team and practicing and all. Does that mean he's close? And if he is, what type of role does he have? Um, I do think it means he's close or it means he's closer. How about we go with that? And I, I probably don't know if he's close because I don't know what's been happening at practice. But let's go with that he's closer. I mean, the reason for him to go down is to now play five-on-five five and be in contact and participate. He's been doing two-on-two. Two, he's doing three-on-three. Three. I never saw him play four-on-four, four, but maybe he just did that with them. And um, So uh, the Stars leave. I, I think the Stars are in town today, and then they leave town tomorrow. So I would suspect that um, unless Dante joins us here, that Dante joins us in L.A., and I don't know what that means. I don't know if he then practiced, will not practice Monday, does he practice with us Tuesday, and then he's, you know, suddenly is it, are we, or is it go time? Um, I don't know. Um, but I do think, you know, if some that script seems possible that as early as, um, I mean, I guess in theory as early as Sunday, but I don't think so. Um, but I would, you know, so the next thing would be Wednesday or Friday, would be windows where if he's really progressing that you could see him, but I don't know that maybe it's, you know, maybe he needs eight practices in the G league. Um, but the G league team, I think leaves town on Saturday. So they, that, that, you know, that, and so then he needs, you know, he's gotten three practices with the, with the G league. And then he gets, you know, two or three practices with us on Tuesday. And then I think we'll probably do something on Thursday. And, and so you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're seeing it 
begin to start the process to get in there. I, I don't have any idea uh, how, you know, are we days away, weeks away? Um, it does feel like we're probably inside the week game at this point, and that's pretty exciting. David, as always, we appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. Okay, sounds great. Talk to you later. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, checking in with us. Brian Keel, former Cougar linebacker, joins us coming up at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Purchase support fans on all you need tickets to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, Popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone. All you can eat tickets now. You buying what Locke just said? What? The Kings coming with some pride, going to bring their best game. I saw that on Twitter, some some other people with that, but then these guys don't defend a lick. Well, why wouldn't Jazz bring their best game? Because it's another in a long list of games. Yeah, but see, I've always believed with the NBA, your best game... In the moment, made mm-hmm. it's not literally your best overall game, right. but it's your best game that you can bring at that time because there are a string and slew of games and travel, blah, 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 blah. I get all that. Right, and you're playing them in between two Clipper games, which are the games you would naturally be excited for because the Clippers are supposed to be really good. A lot of people are picking them as the best in the West. Nobody's picking them worse than second or third. I think the Jazz best game in the moment is not hopefully as best or as good as what they can do in April, but tonight they can put forth their best effort to win. And I think the fact that these guys, so many of them are new, I mean half the rotation is brand new, I, I think they're excited to play more than they would be in a regular situation. You look at Mike Malone just blasting the crap out of the Nuggets last night. Their coach talking about, they, they, we're a great talk team. Right. And blah, blah, blah. Well, these guys have all been together. They see the big picture. They know what the big picture is. This group here for the Jazz, obviously they know what the big picture is, but they're still all brand new. So I think there's, a, there's more of a level of excitement that they've had. Even the veterans are mixing in with these new guys. And, Mer- and Mitch is still a new player, even though this is his third year. The Nuggets lost the exact kind of game the Jazz are playing. The Pelicans were at home, the Pelicans were 0-4, and the Pelicans won by 15. Gave the Nuggets a pretty good beating there, 122-107. We're a great talk team, Malone said. We can talk about we can talk before the season starts about all the things we want to accomplish and we want to be a contending team. It's all bull bleep. Don't tell me about it, show me. And right now we got a lot of guys that aren't showing me much. Right. So he's pretty hot. Now the Jazz are playing an 0-5 team, just as they're playing an 0-4 team, and it's in between two Clipper games. But they're a commodity, the Nuggets. See, you would never have – if the Lake, they, the Jazz didn't play well against the Lakers, and I know Bogey was out, but they didn't play well. You would never have Quinn Snyder after the game say that type of stuff because they're not an established team. They've got established NBA talent, but collectively as a team, they're not established. If you weren't with us when Joe Ingles was on yesterday, Joe was uh, talking to Ricky Rubio before the game, and a bunch of guys were out shooting, and Ricky looked at the Jazz and said, I, I don't really know that team that well because right. there's so many new guys. 
So I think that level of excitement is there, so it's still fresh. So there's no need right now to go through, oh my gosh, we got a slew of games, you know, five and seven, whatever it might be, as it is naturally. And apparently that's the way it was for the Nuggets. They, Michael Porter Jr. played for the first time last night, and he looked okay. That's about it. Everybody else uh, is pretty much the same. I think they, they, the one kid they got from um, Oklahoma City, what's his name? Jeremy Grant. Grant, there you go. So they got him. So he's new. Everybody else is the same. And already, it looks sounds like, listening to their coach speak, they got a little bored already. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. But I don't think the Jazz are in that phase because everything is so fresh and new. And Conley's had one good shooting game, so obviously he wants to have two. He's shooting 32%. He ought to have several. I mean, this number ought to go up over 40% pretty quickly. Now, is he going to shoot you know, 42% or 45% or 48%? That can all be ironed out, but that number's got to go over 40 pretty quick, I would think. But at the same time, I don't have the personal investment that Locke has, and I'm not friends with any of these guys, and so, so when they lose, I don't hurt. So we picked games last weekend, and basically everything went the way we thought, and we were right about everything. I'm going 2-0. and oh. Is that what you're getting at? No, I'm going 1-1. One one. Well, I'm going th- I know, but you're getting at picking games. Win Friday, lose Sunday for the no! Jets. What? Do that again. No! That's not the same one. I know, because you can't recreate greatness in the there spur of the moment. Right. Are you kidding me? So I got the Jazz. No. I got the Jazz winning Friday. <laughs> that was taped. That wasn't live. Uh, I got the Jazz winning Friday, losing Sunday. No. no. And I was gonna go Utes and Aggies, but I'm going Utes and Cougars. I've been hedging on that wagon wheel game. It's two inconsistent teams. I honestly I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I'm going Utes and Cougars. You simply don't know. There, no, I'm going Utes and Cougars. Hey, Mama, rock me. Who you got? It's the wagon wheel. I know. Pick them. You know, I haven't thought of I, Honestly, I haven't thought about BYU and Utah State. I've been so focused on the Utes. I mean, I know it's out there, but I'm, and we've talked about it, but in terms of picking a winner? Too wildly inconsistent. Just so up and down. Nothing would surprise me. If either team won by 10, I wouldn't well, be surprised. I'm the Cougar, so not you. I'm going to Cougars. All right. You got Cougars. Do you have Utes? Yeah, I already said that. So you got Cougars and Utes and really Jazz Sweep. Who's Weaver play? I got them winning, too. <laughs> well, the hey. most important thing yeah. is you, this afternoon. Well, you know what Weaver's got? Sac State. Yeah, I know. That's a big game. It's the Short battle Taylor. of... Uh, Taylor's co- done a marvelous job up there. The battle of in the coaching tree. In all seriousness. In, in all seriousness. Ser- yes. Yeah. Absolutely. He's That's, a good dude. I'm happy for him. This is, uh, this is for first place right here. But I'm going the Chargers all the way. Corner Canyon. Yeah. High school football playoffs. That's a pretty safe, pretty safe bet. In fact, I got my corner canyon. I just got it. The coach gave it to me yesterday. Yeah? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, it looks good on got me, the man. Gear. <laughs> <laughs> Sac State and Weaver State, both 4-0. Last two undefeated teams in Big Sky play. Winner has sole possession of first place. Oh, that's a huge game. And they're playing it there at Sac State. I know. Yeah. Or else it would have been on one of your Channel 2 stations, right? But. Actually, they should find a way to broadcast that game. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. I think it's on Pluto TV. You want to check well, that I out. live on Earth, so how the hell am I going to get that? WatchBigSky.com. I know, but I meant one of the local channels. Yeah, I know. I don't think Pluto will let that happen, but we'll see. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Brian Keel, former Cougar, his Friday visit next.